Welcome to the future of NFTs, brought to you by Adlunum, the first engaged to earn proof of attention IDO launchpad. Hosted by co-founder Natya Vester, we bring you exclusive insights on NFTs, the revolutionary digital technology that's transforming the world as we know it. Hey, Web3 World, this is Natya Bester from Adlunum. And you are listening to The Future of NFTs, the show that looks beyond current NFT use cases and dives into what non-fungible token technology is evolving into. All this as seen through the eyes and built by the minds of the fascinating guest speakers that we speak to each week. Adlunum is the only IDEO launchpad that rewards attention with allocation. Our Engage to Earn platform features dynamic NFT investor profiles, NFT allocation fractionalization, and our one-of-a-kind proof of attention allocation mechanism. If you are joining us here for the first time, you can catch Future of NFTs live on Twitter Spaces every Tuesday, and also subscribe to us on your favorite podcast streaming platform as well as for our sister show, Diving Into Crypto, which is live every Thursday. So same time, same place. Join us for both shows as we speak to thought leaders and change makers in this game-changing industry. On to today, I really debated with myself how to start today's intro. I could tell you, warning, the last decade was the hottest, 125,000 years CO2 is at its highest in 2 million years. We are losing 1.2 trillion tons of ice each year, which is equivalent to all human-made things and all living things on the planet. I could say that billions of people within the next 100 years are going to become climate refugees because some places on the Earth will simply be too hot to live. I could use any of these fear tactics, we are all so intimately familiar with how the media portrays the future of the environment and really acts on those emotions. Unfortunately, to the extent that many people now suffer from climate change fatigue and apocalypse fatigue. So I am very, very excited for our topic today because rather than try and use the scary facts tactic. We are talking about a solution from a left side, left field position. Web3 is not typically something in all of the sexy hype about the latest, greatest technology and projects that we focus on in terms of the environment. But my speakers, my guest speakers today, my guests today, are really going to delve into this idea that what Web3 has to offer is something that perhaps no other industry, and especially not the traditional uh, environmental-focused industry, is able to offer solutions. So very excited. What is the potential of Web3 to evolve this narrative around climate change, and especially today's topic, climate awareness? So I'm going to give you an introduction at a brief high-level version of today's amazing guests. Very complex topic, no easy answers. So we have experts in the house who really can help us look at these 
situations that we are facing both as individuals as well as a society from the NFT and Web3 perspective. So first we have Maya Frost, an NFT artist and an activist supporting climate solutions. Maya is an artist, author, activist, and a solar punk transition and storyteller. So you can just tell that whatever she does is at the same time, not only important, but also really cool. So Maya has a very innovative approach to NFTs that goes, in fact, beyond just today's topic. But uh, we'll have to get her back on the show in future to talk about some of those other projects she's working on. So Maya has this focus in her NFT art on NFTs for good. And this has led to many environmentally focused and environmentally inspired collections. So looking forward, Maya, to getting into this topic with you today. Thank you so much and welcome on the show. Thank you. I'm very happy to be here. There is so much to talk about, and I am very happy that we have this opportunity to talk about all the positive things that are happening uh, in terms of climate awareness and climate solutions. Absolutely. Yes, the positive aspects. Love that. Next, we have Adrian Delica, who is the co-founder of TLDR.Earth, too long, don't read.Earth. He has been in the conservation space for years and have a couple of years ago started transitioning into Web3 solutions related to his domain expertise. Now, before co-founding TLDR.Earth, an organization that promotes Web3 solutions for nature, Adrian was the head of global policy and advocacy at WWF International, the World Wildlife Fund, as well as the former head of program strategy and development at the Luke Hoffman Institute, which is an independent research hub dedicated to biodiversity solutions and innovations. And last but for sure not least, we have Amanda Feta. Amanda, am I pronouncing your name correctly? Is it Veta or Feta? Yeah, it's better. Okay, thank you. Uh, so Amanda is the program and community manager at Voice, a leading carbon neutral NFT marketplace. Amanda is going to offer her perspectives as an advocate for diversity and inclusion in art spaces, as well as using blockchain for a greener future. Amanda formerly was the manager of a contemporary art gallery for a number of years. So she now extends her passion for working directly with artists at Voice, where she nurtures and guides artists in the Voice residency programs, which often has an environmentally uh, slated theme. So Adrian and Amanda, thank you both so much. It's amazing to have on such a diverse perspective of this topic and yeah, I feel absolutely honored to have uh, the three of you on today. Adrian, where are you dialing in from today? Hi, thanks for having me. I'm dialing from my home in Switzerland, Europe. So I look really look forward to this discussion. So we were debating earlier because I'm also in Europe. So I was saying we have Maya in North America, in South America, Amanda in North America, myself in Europe. So so you have to be in either Africa or Asia to at least make this a very well-rounded discussion. But unfortunately, not today. <laughs> Amanda, welcome. So, so great to have you with us. I'm going to start with you. Uh, please tell us more about you, how you got into NFTs, 
And also leading up to any specific NFT focused areas or projects that you are currently working on. Yeah, thank you so much um, for such a warm intro and welcome. So I, as you said, I'm the community and program manager at Voice, um, which is a carbon neutral NFT marketplace for artists to sell their artwork as NFTs. And before this, I managed a contemporary fine art gallery. And in 2020 and 2021, when NFTs kind of entered mainstream consciousness, a lot of the artists that we represented at the gallery started coming up to me and being like, what is this NFT thing? What's happening? What do I need to do? Should I be engaging with this? Everyone was really freaking out um, because they had no clue what what was going on, but they kept hearing stories about these artists making millions overnight. And so I started digging and learning as much as possible about NFTs and blockchain, particularly how they can impact traditional artists. And I really loved the idea of royalties. Um, so many artists, even gallery represented ones, have to work multiple jobs to survive and pay their bills. And once an artwork sells, it's out of their hands forever. So yeah, the starving artist trope exists for a reason. Um, so the main factor that got me involved with NFTs to begin with was the possibility for creating a more sustainable financial model for artists. Um, and then I, I saw a job opening at Voice, and I kind of jumped at the opportunity to be a part of this, primarily because I loved that they're creator-first platform that really centers artists. But another really significant factor for me was that they're carbon neutral. Um, and this job allows me to continue to be in daily direct contact with artists all over the world, while also not um, compromising on my passion for, you know, eco-sustainability. Um, and I don't ever want to be a part of a company that is negatively impacting the environment. Um, so that's kind of what got me into NFTs and how I got into voice. And then currently I am, you know, working with artists directly every day from all over the world um, and onboarding them into Web3 and, you know, blockchain and NFTs in a way that is climate and eco-conscious. Amanda, thank you so much for that amazing introduction. Maya, would love to move on to you. I know that you're an artist yourself, and so would really love to hear how did you get into NFTs and really how where are you taking this? I know a little bit about what you are doing, so hence saying earlier that we definitely have to get you on the show and a future episode as well, just to talk about you know NFTs in general. But would love to hear just a little bit about the climate slash environmentally focused NFT collections that you are also working with uh, at the moment? Sure. Well, I really, uh, it really kind of started for me during the pandemic because I spent the lockdown, which was very strict and long here in Argentina, uh, in a studio apartment with my husband and kind of switched my art making from painting to digital art just because I was in a confined space and I didn't want to take over the whole space with the, you know, chemical fumes and all of that and completely switched over to making digital art. And once I started doing that, I, I really realized the freedom of it. And I, in some ways, I liked the limitation of it. it. It I felt like it was liberating in a way. And 
And then along came NFTs. You know, last fall was when I first started learning about them. And I immediately understood the potential for an artist who has art to share, but is worried about environmental impact, whether that's the paint and the canvas or the shipping, the transport of the, of the goods to collectors. And it just really made so much sense to me. And I was excited to see sort of a flattening of the field and that access to anyone anywhere to sell art to anyone else anywhere else. And that's really where my interest started. But all the way through, from the very first time I started reading about NFTs, I think the first article I read was about the environmental impact of Ethereum and Bitcoin and proof of work. So from the very beginning, I was concerned about how to do it in a way that not only didn't harm the environment, but that actually contributed in some positive way to a climate solution, an organization, uh, storytelling that would help people understand what's really happening. And so it was just sort of a natural direction for me to go with NFT, art, storytelling, and climate. Maya, thank you so much. I love this highlighting of a, the freedom, but also the limitation of digital art. But then also, as you say, that physical art also has an environmental impact. So I think those are some really important points uh, to highlight. Adrian, I first got introduced to your work when you were still with the Luke Hoffman Institute. And I think you did a panel discussion on um, gamification and conservation. And this was when I was working with a Web3 company focused on impact investing. Um, and so I loved listening to your discussion at the time and really it focusing on, you know, how to think differently about the work, the very important work that is being done in the environmentally focused space, but the fact that it needs to shift from the, the current models, uh, and the traditional and existing models really to something that is, you know, it just moves with the time in the sense that it stays connected to that pulse of the larger culture. So I would love to hear your journey. How did you end up getting into NFTs, into the metaverse from the perspective of any of these solutions might help to contribute to this narrative of conservation and environmental protection? Uh, yeah, take it away. Yeah, sure. Um, that gamification project was a lot of fun. And in a way, it was uh, my entry point into NFTs also because the timing just coincided with, with the, sort of the explosion of NFTs. I became very interested in blockchain already in 2017, um, right when I joined the Luke Hoffman Institute. Uh, I was really interested in this notion that we could, startups could raise funds in a fundamentally different way that the system was broken in many ways the, the the lending and sharing of capital and raising of capital we had done this project called activist shareholding uh, for sustainability and basically now if you own 0.5 percent of a major public company you can more or less dictate uh, what they do because there's a lot of passive shareholders and that's not the sort of the agreement that was there in the beginning is if you own uh, shares in companies, which we all kind of do via pension funds or via retirement accounts, things like that, um, 
you don't you don't vote and so you know how did you how could you flip that over and blockchain appeared and this is sort of at the height of the ico bubble um but as a as a great way not just to raise funds but to really recreate the link between those who are investing in companies and uh and the companies themselves and little by little i mean there, so there's that aspect of governance engagement fundraising and when we did the gamification project there was this whole other aspect and this the, the when i first discovered nfts i really just it kind of rocked my world because in the conservation sector and when I joined WWF, we keep on saying, you know, how much are, how much these things are worth? We call them ecosystem services. You know, these forests, these rivers, these oceans, these great whales. Um, there's a lot of economists who s- struggle and, and they've got these amazing spreadsheets and they say, well, this whale is worth 2 million because of all the ecosystem services it provides, et cetera. But it's, it's never really broken through, if you will. And NFTs just... I, I noticed that there were a lot of people who, out of the kindness of their heart, on their spare time, et cetera, were doing impact NFTs, some outside of conservation, a lot for conservation. And there was an appeal to that. People were actually buying them and, and transacting. And, and I really don't think that um, these particular NFTs were speculative. People were really funding something. So there was a, a missing piece of the puzzle that suddenly came um, came into play, which is people could directly transact and show their support and purchase something, a digital asset that would kind of reflect their personality, their, uh, their drive, who they are in the digital space and support uh, conservation organizations or local um, charities. So it really, that's where I really um, kind of uh, bit hard and um, yeah, so much so that I eventually left the Lukoff Institute to, to found TLTR. Thank you so much. Yeah, I think, again, you're just highlighting that NFTs is not only for this one audience segment, which are people who buy it based for, well, based on the premise that speculative decision making is going to lead to these massive gains. Uh, but NFT is really the utility and the use case around it extends so much further than just what we are seeing in terms of PFPs and uh, some digital art. So I want to kick off today's topic by making sure we are all on the same page uh, with regards to what can be a very complex and also rather loaded topic. In a nutshell, uh, I'd like each of you to just give you know a one-liner about what is climate awareness and why is it important? Uh, Amanda, can we start with you? Yeah, so climate awareness to me is one thing, right? You have to understand the risks associated with climate change, but a part, a really important part of that, it, that's not spoken about enough um, is climate action. What can we do? You know, we're, we're aware of all of the negative impacts of climate change and, you know, we're, we're even fatigued by it. Like you mentioned earlier, Um, But what can we do? And not on an individual level so much. There's only so much that like each of us as individuals can do by, you know, recycling and minimizing our own personal impact. What needs to happen are these massive companies um, that are kind of like driving climate change. Those are the people that need to make these top level changes to to better the world. And we need to, as individuals, push them to do that 
and inspire that change. Perfect. Thank you. Adrian, what about you? What is climate awareness and why is it important? I, I would first of all echo what Hannah said. Um, climate awareness is the first step. I mean, you can't really have climate action without awareness. So it's absolutely necessary, but um, it's not sufficient. And awareness, as, as you mentioned in your introduction, um, can also lead to kind of this apocalyptic um, uh, fear um, of, of things being beyond our own control. Like, yeah, I might recycle, I might close the tap when I brush my teeth, um, but that's not going to make a difference. And, and there's a risk of sort of disillusionment. So awareness is the first step. It's necessary, but there's a really important second step, which, yes, is around action, as Amanda said, but um, it's really about empowerment. And again, to go back to NFTs, I think that's where uh, blockchain in general and NFTs maybe in particular are a really interesting tool because suddenly they, they, they put the, the consumer more in, a, in an empowered position. And so it's, it's one thing to say, well, companies need to change. And obviously I, I echo that, but you know, they'll change if the consumers press, so climate action. So, but how do we, how do we um, make that leap? That's what's really, really important. Thank you so much, Maya. What, in your opinion, is climate awareness and why is it so important? Well, first of all, I love what Amanda and Adrian had to say. I think their points are very important. But the other one is really that, in my mind, climate awareness is the understanding that climate change and its impacts are the defining cause for our time. And it's not just affecting a particular generation, it's affecting people of all ages, ultimately. And that in many ways, it's, it's such a uh, profoundly global uh, effort and understanding that we all need to understand and, and embrace. And one of the things I think that people don't quite understand about climate awareness is that in order for all of us to somehow overcome our climate anxiety and turn it into a source of energy, we need to recognize that there are small changes that we can make, not in our own lives, particularly, for example, not just the recycling, like Amanda mentioned, but things that we can do by using our voice, because collective voices have power. And we can join the rising tide of voices uh, about climate change and climate action. And that's part of where the everyman kind of power lies. And, uh, and that's that recognition that we have a say is critically important. Thank you so much, all three of you, for that amazingly beautiful introduction. Uh, I think no Google introduction, uh, if you had to put the search term into the engine, would give you as high a quality uh, answer. So, Maya, I'm going to ask you, as someone who uses this exciting world of NFTs as a vehicle to highlight the very scary and, as you mentioned, the climate anxiety that so many of us are facing, as well as this controversial topic of climate change where we have some people saying it's not real, it doesn't exist, or this, you know, it's not human caused or related at all. So we have all of these different sort of voices coming at it uh, from all different sides. But how, in your opinion, and also in what you are doing in your work, do you think that Web3 technologies and specifically NFTs can contribute to climate awareness in a way that perhaps other technologies, other approaches, other te techniques or methods uh, could not? 
Well, I'm glad you brought up the fact that people are coming at this from very different backgrounds and with very different ideas. But I think the one thing we can all agree on is the beauty of the planet, right? So in my art and storytelling, I try to focus on that. And that's where the common ground is. You know, what is it that we're trying to protect? Because we end up protecting what we love. And so in a lot of cases, I, I feel like my work is about regenerating that deep love for nature that we all have, but we sometimes forget. And that's what's necessary in order to make it a priority. Um, in terms of Web3, I, I really think that what's happening is um, there's a major shift right now. And, and the idea of NFTs as little square pictures that you buy um, is shifting. And that's a good thing because we need people to understand that NFTs are much, much bigger than that. And their use is so far beyond just having and holding. Uh, their use, their utility is in contributing everything from verification of data to um, you know, giving people an opportunity to feel a sense of guardianship of, uh, of rainforests, for example, or to protect animals, um, to recognize how much carbon removal is really happening, how much pollution uh, cleanup is really happening, how much carbon sequestration is going on. Once we have data, we have power. And that's really the force of NFTs, because when we're talking about NFT in that sense, it's the digital contract, right? It's the data. And that's what's powerful. Um, not the little squares as much as I love the, you know, digital art. That is not the NFTs that are going to change everything for the climate. It's really the data. Yeah, what, what important highlights in your answer in the sense that there has been so much happening on the art front, but at the same time, it's not to say that this technology is only about that. And because the popular narrative in the media only focuses on, oh, wow, this painting was sold for $69 million. Of course, this is the chatter that most people focus on. But there are so many amazing use cases, many of which we haven't even discovered as yet. Uh, but really, we are in this fortunate position of being able to really experiment with and test the boundaries. Hence, so cool that we are able to even use NFTs and think about something as heavy but as important as climate change. So, Adrian, we have all heard the arguments against cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin criticized for high energy use. Uh, Maya said earlier that this was one of the first things she read about when she first started exploring this industry. So I'm wondering, as an environmental professional who's really dedicated your career to the preservation of the natural world, do you think that using Web3 technologies for environmental protection and sustainability is a justifiable solution, despite what we are hearing from Again, many different type of voices, you know, speaking out for, speaking out against, but not necessarily always taking into account the potential versus uh, the potential costs that we are giving in terms of energy usage, usage etc. Yeah, I mean, that was, that was a very, very difficult um, debate, a question in the environmental sector until recently, and I'll, I'll get back to that in a second. But um, Bitcoin relies on proof of work, and that is extremely energy intensive. Uh, you know, they, they, it's about the size of Argentina. That's what that's what they say. I mean, that's what the, the data says. It fluctuates, but that's about the size. 
But of course, I think that's probably a little bit misleading, first of all, because it's not, you know, um, there's mining in Argentina. So you'd have to compare it to an industry like uh, air conditioning or uh, things like that, that that provide a service. Um, and then, of course, if you really look at the debate in in great detail, it's much more nuanced because Bitcoin or proof of work mining rigs are mobile. They can capture energy where other industries cannot capture energy. They can capture it, the energy wasted by hydro dams or renewables when there's too much. So there are arguments to be said that actually Bitcoin and proof of work can help the grid trans um, uh, become um, more uh, capable of handling renewable energy. That being said, um, Web3 doesn't rely on Bitcoin. I mean, as much as Bitcoin is is terrific, uh, Web3, everything that we sort of imply by Web3, the data that Maya just talked about, the NFTs, uh, the tokens, they're all running on new generation um, chains. And of course, Ethereum being the more popular has recently switched from proof of work to proof of stake. And that, I must say, on a personal level, that's that's been kind of a relief because as amazing as Ethereum was, if you're an environmentalist, yes, that would bring, there would be trade-offs. You know, you'd have to kind of defend the notion that it would be beneficial, even though it's spending a lot of energy, et cetera. And that's a, it, I think it's a winnable debate, but it's a, it's a hard one. You'd really rather be on the side of proof of stake. And now Ethereum, and, and then there's a whole bunch of other new blockchains that consume absolutely negligible amounts of energy, definitely not more than other uh, technology. So, um, so I think it's, it's not a, it's it's no longer uh, a real debate. I think, however, there are still a lot of people who 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 think that way, and so there's still a lot of education. I mean, that's true of everything in blockchain. There's a lot of education on a number of things, and on the environmental uh, aspect as well. Um, lastly, this, this is sort of one of my things that I, I keep on ranting on about. But even in, in defense of Bitcoin, I'm personally kind of annoyed by these by these things because our whole civilization our whole economy our whole well-being our whole wealth is predicated on energy usage and that's the whole thing so we if we have a currency which is backed by energy like bitcoin or like petrodollars well that actually kind of makes sense we should really you know it's easy to point the finger what we really need to be doing is transiting you know um, transitioning to a renewable future and if bitcoin helps people um, focus minds and helps sort of um, uh, uh, transition, then I think that's that's a really good thing. So if we're really talking about NFTs now and um, wallets and metaverse, et cetera, it's no longer an energy question, really. Brilliant. Thank you so much, Adrian and Maya. Amanda, in terms of the Web3 world, I mean, so much has been focused on these quick gains and the hype and make it rich quick. And I mean, this is the same narrative that we have every time that there's a new development in Web3, you know, whether it is X, Y, Z, but every time everyone's going to go to the top and win Lambo and that's kind of the conversation. At least that is the perception that many people have because this is, you know, the... <laughs> the voices that speak the loudest are the ones who focus on these sort of things. And this is really how so many projects onboard communities is not necessarily because those community members understand what the company is doing, but rather, you know, they are just following this hype cycle and all of the rewards that come with it. So I'm wondering if we 
were to look at, you know, this one group of people native to Web3 and people who are very familiar with what is happening in the NFT world and the speculative investors. And then we have, on the other hand, people who are perhaps a lot more environmentally inclined, but they don't necessarily have this familiarity or the level of comfort with Web3 technologies. So with Voice being this carbon neutral NFT platform, I'm really curious to hear your insights on which NFT audience segments the broader Web3 industry is targeting in terms of climate awareness and how can this be scaled to a broader audience? Is step one to get people to care about the environment or is step one to onboard people into Web3 or is there a way we can kind of do both at the same time? That's a really great question, and it's one that I think about quite often, because if we want Web3 to be scaled to a wider audience and mass adopted, we need to make it more accessible. And that goes hand in hand with making sure that the digital future we're building is environmentally responsible. Um, Like you mentioned, the first wave of interest in NFTs was focused on quick gains, overnight success, and this really sexy hype and it was led by web3 natives speculative investors people who already held cryptocurrency and were bullish on it these people weren't as concerned with the environmental costs because the personal success potential was at the forefront of their minds right um but also maybe we can think of this in a positive light because money talks and the massive amounts of money that people were making is what catapulted NFTs and blockchain talk into mainstream consciousness. And those stories are what made people pay attention and then also very quickly condemn blockchain tech for being bad for the environment and consuming massive amounts of energy. Like there were so many articles that were coming out one after the other that were just like blockchain's terrible for the environment. You know, Ethereum and Bitcoin are using X amount of energy. That's more than a small country. And it turned a lot of people off. But the outcry also really inspired companies to think about how do we harness this tech responsibly um, because the tech's not going anywhere. People love it. It, you know, it's all over the place, but how do we get these people on board? Because there is no future of web three if we don't expand our audience and if we don't bring more people into the fold and to do that, we have to be better for the environment. Um, And I think that the audience segments that, you know, are currently being targeted for climate awareness, in in part, they tend to be artists, just because, you know, NFTs have this association with digital art. Um, and artists are typically a pretty socially conscientious group. Um, the second wave of interest in NFTs and blockchain are people who believe in the ability of NFTs to create, you know, financially sustainable model for artists to be compensated fairly um, and receive royalties for the first time ever. So it's a lot of creative types, but it's also a lot of brands. 
like right at the beginning when blockchain was getting all of this bad press, a lot of brands were hesitant to jump into the NFT space. And a big factor in that was not wanting their name to be associated with something that was terrible for the environment. Um, for example, Voice is currently running a partnership and artist residency program with Photo Vogue, which is a chapter of Vogue Italia. Um, and it's the brand's first foray into Web3 and NFTs, and a major deciding factor for them in partnering with us, with Voice, was the fact that we're a carbon-neutral company and that, you know, carbon-neutral blockchain options exist, um, and it's an easier way for them to step into this Web3 space, and it's a way that won't alienate their current audiences. So... All that to say that I think the primary audience being targeted for climate awareness can be broken down into two groups, um, artists and brands. And I think it's through these brand partnerships with companies who are well recognized and have name recognition that are completely outside of the Web3 world that will help us scale this to a broader audience. Because when you onboard, you know, someone like Photo Vogue, you're also onboarding their entire audience who may have never, you know, engaged with blockchain or thought about blockchain aside from the, you know, negative headlines that they saw. Um, and now they're hearing from Photo Vogue about how there are, you know, climate neutral or, you know, even positive solutions um, and ways to get into this. Wow, I wish that we had another hour to talk about all of this because I am dying to ask everyone seven more questions. But in the interest of time, I am going to uh, yeah, try and control myself. So I would love to leave some room as well for the audience to chime in. Um, so I'm going to do a bit more of a rapid fire session. Round one, uh, Maya, what is the future of NFTs and how is it going to evolve from what we are seeing and what is happening in the market today? I think that, you know, what we're headed toward is more of uh, a focus on attention and engagement uh, instead of ownership, instead of simply the data and the transparency of that, which are very, very important uh, for climate action. I think we're going to find ways to reward and entice people to get involved and use their voices, use their actions. And that can be anything from people writing letters to leaders, making social media posts, uh, giving talks to their local communities, or actively engaging in things like cleanups, uh, tree planting events, or, or other kinds of volunteering. So I think that the shifting of that is going to feel a lot more meaningful for individuals because they will have a role to play. They will not simply be passive, uh, maybe purchasers or, you know, maybe people visiting the metaverse and wandering around and looking at art, but feel like they actually have a way to contribute to climate action. Brilliant. Thank you. Adrian, what about your future of NFTs? Um, this was touched upon uh, by Amanda and others, but user experience is, is extremely important. It's still a bit of a, a hindrance, it's, um, and that needs to be solved, I think. It will become more ubiquitous. I think that the environmental factor was uh, a factor, and that is no longer a factor. I was at a, a Web3 conference the other day, and there was a banker speaking, and they, they were saying, well, now that Ethereum is 
is on proof of stake, it's actually making it acceptable for for ESG investors. So I think we might um, see the floodgates. I think once that argument is is um, is out of the way, the future of NFTs specifically too, I think, reside maybe on on the emerging generation uh, growing up. I, there's huge differences between um, how we identify ourselves between generations. Um, I've got young kids, so I'm, I'm starting to, to learn from experience. Um, but we're spending a lot more time online in the g- digital world. So that imperative to have an identity, to project an identity to others, um, will it go through NFTs? I think so. That's my bet. That's my conviction. And, you know, building those digital identities, uh, standing for something is, I think, the future uh, of NFTs. Um, Obviously, there's a lot to be said about utility and feedback and data uh, in the environment sector and others. Um, But that, that to me, is sort of the, the long arc. Amanda, you are right in the middle of the NFT scene on the daily. What do you see as the future of this technology? Yeah, so, I mean, I absolutely loved Adrian and Maya's perspectives on utility and this idea of, like, creating kind of like these online personas is that and that's being the future. Um, I'm I approach things from a much more like art, visual art centric perspective Um Uh, The future that I want to see involves moving away from the speculative market. I want to see mass adoption of NFTs as a way of supporting the artists that you love, in addition to the things that Maya and Adrian brought up. Um, Like, there are so many ways that we can support musicians. We stream their music, we buy their albums, we go to concerts, we buy merch. But there just aren't as many ways to traditionally support visual artists. And all of these artists are like culture bearers of our societies. They enrich all of our lives so much. So that's really what I want to see is mass adoption of NFTs as a means of supporting artists in new ways. Um, And I truly and honestly believe that blockchain tech absolutely has to be eco-conscious for mass adoption and the sustained success of the NFT market. The audience has to grow. And for that to happen, we have to make blockchain on the whole more sustainable and accessible. Thank you, Amanda. Rapid fire round two. Adrian, I loved what you said earlier about the user experiences aspect of NFTs and the importance definitely that it's going to carry in future because it really offers this completely different way of engaging different stakeholders, whether that is business and consumer, whether that is artist and fans or in this case, as today's topic, I'm going to go ahead and maybe, Amanda, start with you. Um, we have all of this hype, and we've touched on this a little bit in terms of all of these other avenues, you know, available to artists now that NFTs have come to the fore, and really this idea that we can onboard people who care about things and not only about the speculative nature of art, for example. But what do you think is hindering this progress or mass adoption for NFTs? Um, one thing, a couple things that are hindering progress and mass adoption for NFTs that jump to mind immediately. One is the climate impact. Obviously, we've been talking about that this whole entire time. 
But number two, I think that the lingo, the the Web3 lingo that we use is really difficult for people who are outside of this space to adopt. And I think that it's unintentionally or maybe a little bit intentionally um, gatekeeping, right? Like early adopters of blockchain tech and NFTs have this, you know, you know, really strong sense of community amongst themselves. But and like there's just this intimidation factor associated with a lot of the lingo in this space. Um, But also, I think that NFTs and blockchain, it was really led by discussions surrounding the tech, which is also inaccessible to a lot of people. Um, Like the focus was so much on the tech and it was really awesome because, you know, the tech is really incredible. But when you think about other things that we engage with in our lives, we don't run around talking about the tech that's behind streaming platforms. We just talk about the utility. Um, And so there's like this huge focus on the tech and that's kind of scary to a lot of people and brands. Um, So I think once we move away from talking about the tech so much um, and like maybe changing conversations to talk more about the utility, that will lead to some wider adoption. Thank you, Amanda. I'm so happy that I could finally hear your answer with all of these crazy technology glitches that are happening on Twitter Spaces today. Um, Maya, I would love to hear from you as well. What do you think is holding back mass adoption and really this this more fast-paced forward progression in terms of NFTs? Well, I really appreciated Amanda's response, and I haven't mentioned it yet, but I wanted to say very clearly that Voice is by far my favorite platform. It's where I feel at home. It's where I collaborate with others. And I think that that's an aspect that I think people are missing too, the sense of community. I mean, everybody who's in Web3 will talk about community as being very high on their list of, you know, being a fulfilling part of the of the whole system. But I think for the outsiders, they don't necessarily see that. They're not in it. And I think that's a really important part to convey. I think the good thing is that we have gone through this big reckoning, right? We've gone past the scams and the hype and the crash and all of that. And now we're into a sort of recognition phase where I'm hoping more and more people will recognize the positive qualities of Web3 for and, and how they can uh, positively impact their own lives, whether it's a sense of community, like I'm just saying, or as an artist, an opportunity to reach more people and to connect with other artists. Um, I think once people see how it can impact their own lives in a positive way, they will be much faster to embrace it. But the main thing is going beyond this idea of you know individual ownership and gain and wealth to collective good and community. Adrian, so happy that you can also rejoin us. Uh, apologies for all of the just glitches that couldn't stop happening today. So I'm very happy to have you, all three of you back here. Uh, what do you reckon, Adrian? what is hindering progress or adoption and especially mass adoption for a technology like NFTs? Yeah, I mean, Amanda and Maya covered it really, really well. So what I might add is this notion of a, a you know, the snowball, uh, the snowball effect. So 
there is a critical mass that needs to happen. So we're talking about ubiquity, user experience, um, changing people's lives. And I think it's just going to kind of happen uh, over time in a, in a snowball effect. Uh, I'm old enough to remember the, the 90s, uh, late 90s, when, when all these, I remember being very, very shocked with my college friends watching TV and like all these companies that we've known for a really long time are starting to have these dot-com addresses after they're you know, on, the, on the spot. And we didn't really know what it meant. We kind of, we were doing email, we had AOL, but like we didn't really understand. Um, and I think that we're not, people around this call and uh, sort of can imagine what the future is, but I think none of us can really fully imagine what it is. But once that uh, snowball effect kicks in and a whole bunch of people see what it can do and new people emerge to create the startups of tomorrow and there's someone on this call today um, then that's that should in theory really be a, a quite a significant tipping point I think thank you all so much in our final round three sprint of the rapid fire question I we are already over time I'm really very well aware of this so I'm going to ask you to really give me that one liner that we can all take away with us. Uh, Maya, what is your philosophy about Web3 changing lives? I think really the biggest factor is that it will bring us together. We will share knowledge uh, in common because it will be verified, it will be transparent. That means we'll be on the same page as we move forward. And whether we're talking about climate or community or anything else, we will be coming at it with the same information. And that will make a, an enormous difference in the progress we make in the future. Beautiful. Adrian, please add on, on top of this, what is this philosophy that you carry with you about Web3 changing lives? To me, Web3 is just an idea. It's a very, very powerful idea. Um, Web3 may not be this decentralized, uh, wonderful place where users are empowered um, and sustainability is, is embedded. That's not necessarily the future of the web. So Web3 is, is an ideal. Um, it's the ideal I've just described in my mind. So the web is really a battlefront. And you know, we talked about greed and speculation and all those things. Ultimately, Web3 and blockchain more specifically, it's a tool. It's a really exciting tool. It multiplies the possibilities of what is possible, for example, in, in the visual arts, as Amanda said, and, and in the conservation sector, as I've experienced. But ultimately, will humans be attracted only by the greed and the speculation? Will they not really care about being empowered and decentralized, but actually will be fine about you know big companies like Meta designing the future web? Um, yeah, that, that's not a hundred percent certain. So I really, I see this as sort of a battle, um, and that, you know, I'm, I'm trying and a lot of people, especially on this call, definitely are, are trying to build a, a future web, whether it's three or 3.5 or five, um, that is a, a good version of humanity and a good version of the world. Beautiful. Thank you so much, Amanda. What is your philosophy about web three and the possibility it has to change lives? You know, I really agree with Adrian. It, it is a battle, you know, between, you know, personal individual greed and, you know, collective good. And I think of Web3 as a vehicle 
um, right? It's not Web3 that's changing lives. It's the people who and how they utilize the tools that Web3 gives us and the communities. And honestly, my own personal experiences on a daily basis, I am so impressed by the the online NFT Web3 communities that I'm in and the amount of uh, focus that is put on giving back. There are so many artists that I that I know who utilize voice to raise money for mental health awareness, for LGBT youth, for, you know, environmental causes. And I am blown away every day um, at these individual commitments to positive change um, and how, you know, people have you know, turned their their creativity into these vehicles for good and how they're utilizing Web3 tech to do that. Yeah, that's another vote from me for wishing I had two hours. But unfortunately, it is already past the end of the first and only hour that we have all agreed to. So audience, I am not unfortunately going to allow a lot of time for questions uh, because of the above mentioned reason, but uh, I just want to get to at least one or two of them very, very quickly. Uh, So let me quickly see, um, do you think that technology can progress in a sustainable way or is there always going to be a large carbon footprint? So maybe we can leave on that realistic slash hopefully positive note that yes there is a yay to this or uh, guest speakers of today Maya, Adrian, Amanda what is your opinion is it possible that we have a more all-rounded sustainable future ahead of us in terms of technology absolutely that's the quickest answer yes we have to believe that that's what we're all working toward 100%. And I think that, you know, we have to continue putting pressure on companies to find more environmentally conscious um, alternatives that, you know, like it's possible. We just saw all of the pressure that, you know, people put on Ethereum for being so terrible for the environment. Look what they did. You know, they changed their model. They are now, you know, they've made movements in, uh, in a positive direction. So I do think that it's possible, um, but it requires us to keep the pressure. Well, I, you know, this is probably the best answers that you could receive to any question is to simply say yes, despite all of the hurdles, despite all of the battles being fought in the end, we are fighting for something worthwhile, no matter the obstacles, no matter the difficulties, but at some point in the future, we will get there, hopefully still within our generation. But if not, we are also, someone mentioned earlier about being guardians, but we are really the guardians of not only the planet, but also the future generations in what we are teaching them and what we are showing them. So at some point, we will stop needing to have these discussions, no matter how long that's going to take. So Adrian, Amanda, Maya, wow, it's been an absolute pleasure spending this time with you today. 
And a huge thank you, not only for inaugurating the Future of NFTs panel discussion, but also just with bearing with us as Twitter was just glitching within, without end. So I love the synergy between what all of you are doing, the different paradigms that you represent in the space. So before I draw the show to a close, I would like to invite you to just very briefly share any final thoughts and maybe something that the audience can take away with them, uh, post this space, and then also just let us know where to follow you and the work that you are doing. Sure, I, I can start. I would just want to say my message that gives me a lot of inspiration is just small is beautiful. Don't be overwhelmed by the task at hand. Look for small ways to participate and contribute and feel that you are engaging and helping others. Um, and you can find out more about me and my work on my link tree. It's linktree slash Maya Frost. Yeah, and I'll, I'll kick things off um, on my end or close things up on my end by encouraging you all to explore the artists that we have on voice if you just go to voice.com um i i everything that i do um is for the purpose of amplifying artists so um you can follow me on the account that i have here but also i encourage you all to follow voice um just because we have so much incredibly and sound talented artists on the site um, and they all deserve love and attention and um, support. Yeah. So as, uh, as you were um, closing this and asking for remarks, my four-year-old woke up from her nap and um, stepped in and she's looking very sleepy. It's these big wide eyes and um, yeah, the future is, is bright and it's also extremely, extremely important. This is, you know, we, we talked about the, the positive aspect, but it is a battle. It is going to be difficult, and um, we're going to be needing to spend a lot of energy uh, into this. So I'm there. You can uh, join me, help me, um, counsel me. Um, I'm most active on LinkedIn, Adrian Deliker. I also have this website, tldr.earth, um, and I'm always up for these conversations or bilateral conversations to try to make the world a better place. Lovely, lovely guys. Thank you so incredibly much. And uh, for those of us who have been here for this all, uh, this entire hour, maybe we need to go take that nap that Adrian's four-year-old has just woken up from. There's been a lot to digest, but audience, I hope that today's discussion gave you a new perspective on the potential of NFTs for good and also really highlighted this relationship between a topic that's as important, but not really a lot of fun as climate awareness and this really fast moving world of non-fungible token technology and what is possible, what is the possible, what are the possibilities of the future. So on that note, I will catch you again next week for another episode of the Future of NFTs brought to you by Adlunum. Cheers, everyone. And yeah, to my amazing speakers today, I cannot thank you enough. I definitely need to go listen to this recording now so I can just relive all of the yeah amazing nuggets of wisdom that was dropped here. Thank you so much. And we'll be following on what every one of you are up to. Thank you. Thank, thank you. you, Nadia. 
You've been listening to the future of NFTs. Subscribe to this podcast on your favorite streaming platform like Spotify or iTunes. Connect with AdLunum on Twitter at AdLunum Inc. or our website, adlunum.cc.